You are listening to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and I'm joined here each episode with my co-host, Chrissy Dunham, and we just want to say thanks for tuning in. Have you ever wondered what the Bible has to say about worry and fear? Have you ever wondered how to decorate an odd-shaped room? Have you ever wondered how to make a quiche with a sweet potato crust? Well, you're in the right place because we talk about all the things. If we don't know the answers to some of life's biggest, most wonderful questions, the guests we have on certainly will. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Chrissy Dunham, and I am here with my ministry partner, Lisa Clark. Before we introduce our special guest, Lisa, what have you been up to? Well, let me see. We have had spring break at our house. We um, now wait a minute. Your kids are grown. Why <laughs> did you have spring break? Because I didn't get one. Yeah. Well, I really didn't get one either. It was spring break, but I mean, we stayed here and funded our family spring break for them. <laughs> Her kids are very smart. Yes. So, can we come to y'all's house for spring break? Sure. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's kind of out what, what we did the zoo, we did the aquarium, we grilled out, we played, you know, we, it was a blast. Five days they were here with us and it was super fun. And we just finished up spring break at the Clark house. So it was good. It was, it was a lot of fun. We did actually, we had a grandson's birthday during that time. So lots of family time and togetherness, which was great. So I love it. Yeah, I so love fun. it. I love that they want to come home and I know. spend time with you guys. And I mean, we joke about the financial piece a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> it's uh, fun that your kids want to come home. That's Absolutely. the goal, isn't it? Do you raise Absolutely. these kids they want to come back? That's well, right. our guest today, I actually met in our store. Many of you know that I work for Apple Boulevard, which is my daughter's uh, women's boutique. And Holly Tomlin is a customer of ours. And as the Lord would have it, I always say, I have like two books I want to write. One of the books is Stories from the Storefront, because you meet so many people. And it's just interesting how God knits everyone together. And Holly has been a customer and she happened to come in and we just got to talking and I don't even know how it happened, but she ended up sharing a lot of her story uh, that day, and I was blown away. I love to hear people's stories and how the Lord uses them and how He continues to use them. But her story is one of those that, Lisa, when you meet somebody, it just sticks with you and makes an impression on your heart. And that's how I feel about Holly. So I want Holly to introduce herself. So welcome, Holly, to the Wonder Podcast. Thank you. Yes. So Holly Tomlin, I am a wife. Uh, My husband, Corey, and I um, have been married for nearly 18 years, but we met in church. We, I was in eighth grade and he was a senior in high school. So we we joke about that, many jokes. We didn't, we didn't date per se, but you know, small town, East Texas, anything can happen. So no, I think it, you know, I think that was just one of those things the Lord just, I, I, I talk to my parents now. I'm like, what were you thinking? You let them <laughs> come to our house. And, you know, so we didn't really start dating until I was in college, but we kept in touch every year. And it was just very sweet friendship and 
then when we finally started dating, we got married. We have lived in Allen our entire marriage. Um, we have three amazing children. Emma is 15. Will is 10. And Reed is five. I um, am actually a pediatric cardiology nurse practitioner by day. Expert shopper at Apple Boulevard. <laughs> um I love all things clothes, fashion, jewelry, you know, shopping, spending time with friends. I have an amazing family, a sister, um, a sister in love, lots of, lots of sweet friends. So you mentioned that you grew up in East Texas, where about in East Texas? That's where my husband's from. Yeah. You know, my dad is actually a high school football coach or he has been since I was, as long as I've been alive. He, he is now, um, you know, in his later years of his career and retiring um, in the next few years, probably. But we lived, we moved every few years. Yeah. I mean, so Kilgore, Jacksonville, Tyler, Sulphur Springs, all, all around. I graduated from White House High School. Okay. Right so my husband uh, went to Quitman High School. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's right by Alba, which is a lot of family. Yes. We so Golden... my husband is from Grand Saline. So. Okay. So his grandmother, where he grew up, though, basically on her family farm is Golden Alba, you know, right there. Alba and Golden, she's, yes, yes. Yeah, she's from Golden. So, yeah, I never meet anyone that knows where that is. So you, you know <laughs> right where that is. Yes. Right? Well, my family, actually, it was my dad's grandparents that had the grocery store, the local grocery store in Alba for many years. Okay. So they, we have a lot of family in that area. Oh, very cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, so you being a PA, uh, the Lord called you to that and you were just doing your job and you ran into this amazing little boy named Reed. So tell us how you met him, what his condition was and what the Lord took you through. Yeah. So part of, I've been doing this almost 20 years um, in you know, whether it be nursing, bedside nursing, or as a nurse practitioner. Um, but in pediatric cardiology specifically, most of that 20 years. And so I, a big part of my role is counseling moms when they're pregnant with babies that they find out have a heart condition. So we follow them during the pregnancy. And then we also, I also work with moms of high-risk babies. So I actually had met his birth mother in, during the pregnancy and Um, So we knew about his diagnosis. So he was born at a hospital in Dallas. So that way he could get the immediate attention he needed. Um, He was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which is a big word for basically the whole left side of his heart did not form. So he was born in Dallas. He had his first open heart surgery when he was just a few days old. He did pretty well as expected through that. And um, there were just concerns. And, you know, it it wasn't clear if he was going to be able to go home with his family. And um, they ultimately ended up deciding to terminate their own rights and to give him up for adoption. And so there was really this six week, the first six weeks of his life, I was that advocate for him on what was best and advocating for what we thought needed to be done with his care at home and where the best place that would be. And all of this fighting per se I was doing was at his, as his medical provider. And I can remember um, specifically, it was a Friday night around 10 o'clock and the social worker had called me and it's, it's not uncommon that I lose sleep over patients. I'm pretty passionate and love my heart babies. And just really, that's one of the things I've always 
one of the Proverbs scriptures of speak for those who can't speak for themselves. And so that's always been a huge passion of mine is speaking for those babies. Um, but she called me on a Friday night about 10 o'clock. I was actually going to bed early and I saw her number. I answered and she said, you're not going to believe this, but the parents have just came in and said their goodbyes and they are going to give him up for adoption. And I just remember sitting there in shock and relieved, but then I hung up with her and I sat there for a second and I thought, this baby is supposed to be our baby. And I just knew that's what the Lord was telling me at that moment. And so I walk out in the living room and my husband's there, you know, hanging out on a Friday night (laughs) at 10 o'clock like normal people. And I'm like, so there's this baby at the hospital that I think is supposed to be our baby. And he just was like, okay. You know, and he, he is one, I am, we are a perfectly good balance of, I'm very, once I know something is what we're supposed to do, then let's do it. How do we do it? Let's write the list, make the steps and do it. And he very much is the processor and needing to mull over everything and just go through it, all the different scenarios in his mind. And a little backstory heading up into that is um, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2015. So went through treatment. I really knew I didn't want to have any more biological children before that. But after that, we were certain that that wasn't something that was for us. But we always kind of joked about how we didn't feel like our family was complete. And, you know, I told him, you know, I am fine with adoption, but I just I don't want to have more children. I didn't have good pregnancies and I didn't enjoy it. So that was always a little loose joke about that with us and that we'd have have another baby So Reed was actually the third baby I tried to bring home from work. Um, And so I joked that the third time's a charm. My husband finally said yes. But all of those things were really looking back. It's so clear to see that that was the Lord. Just those little moments of time over that two year period of post-cancer before we met Reed of him preparing us for what was to come. And it was in January, we were doing a sermon series at church on sanctity of life and, you know, Lots of things you can discuss on that topic, but the one in particular was um, on fostering to adopt. And I, it's not uncommon for me to cry. I'm a crier, but I was just sobbing in that service. And I didn't say anything because I can be quite convincing and I never want something that we choose to do as as a couple to be because I've pushed it. So I actually, I'm always one to say something, but I really just felt the Lord saying, don't say anything. And we left the service and we got in the car and I'm just, I'm not saying anything. And he was like, wow, that was right at me. And I was just in shock. And so that was kind of the first moment that I'd really felt that he'd heard the Lord in that. And so that was right around the time Reed was born. And so that was kind of about six weeks after that was whenever we, um, all this started to unfold. My husband, Corey, his middle brother and and wife had been fostering for a couple of years. And so we were actually in the process of getting certified to respite. But for anybody that's been through the fostering process, adoption process, it is a very extensive, lengthy process that is quite cumbersome. And it can be lots of ups and downs and frustrations. And that kind of gets us back to where I was at on that Friday night. And, you know, so we kind of talked about it that night and really just didn't say much, but just. I prayed about it. The next morning I woke up and I felt clearer than anything about it. And so I knew I just needed to get more information. And so I actually called the CPS worker, the supervisor, and told her, you know, we are interested in taking home this baby. And at the time his name wasn't Reed, but, you know, taking home this baby. And this is not just a foster. Like this is, 
a foster to an adoption. We know that he is supposed to be ours. So the initial answer was no. I don't take no for an answer whenever things kind of happen that I know I feel like it's supposed to happen. And so I didn't feel like the Lord was closing the door. And so I reached out to the adoption agency, like the foster agency on Monday and just asked them, what is the fast track? How can we get this done? I know you think I'm nuts, but I'm not kidding. Like we will be there. What do we need to do? And, you know, typically on average, depending on how things progress, it can take anywhere from two, three, four, five, six months to get certified. So I'm like, okay, we don't have that time. Like I need two weeks. I mean, and I think that they probably laughed at me and were talking about me on the emails behind my back, but you know, I'm like, okay. So, you know, we very quickly, um, we were there, we were doing, knocking things out as we could. I was very persistent. And so kind of let CPS know we were on that track to fat, we were on the fast track to get certified and he medically wasn't ready. So that gave us a little bit of time, but So they said, yes, they would wait. It kind of, over the next few weeks, it went back and forth of, no, we're not going to wait. Okay, we'll wait. And then they finally said, no, we're not going to wait. And we're going to place him in this foster home. And so they had identified a foster parent. Um, She came in. She, um, part of my job is that those babies in the hospital, so I've got to do discharge teaching and prepare a family about what to do to take him home. And I remember wanting to just throw up as I was about to walk in the ring. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't believe this is happening. I mean, this is, I mean, I've never been so clear about something in my life about what I've heard, but yet I'm about to go in and teach this woman how to take care of my son. And so I did it. I remember leaving just crying and I just had never felt that way. And, and so, so she did all of her teaching a few days um, later. She ended up calling back to the hospital and saying that she, it was too much for her. And she did not think she could handle everything that he needed from a medical standpoint. Here we are again, back to the yes. And okay, we'll wait on y'all. And so again, just back and forth of that. And it really took about a month of that wavering, which was so hard. I'm seeing him every day as my patient in the hospital and knowing, you know, how my heart felt and it was breaking and trying to find that happy medium and professional boundaries and all of those things that I'm supposed to do. And, you know, but looking back, I just, I saw the Lord saying, but I'm saying yes, the world is, may say no, but I am saying yes. But he, we had to walk through that period of time to really see how he was truly sovereign over every single detail in Reed's path. And even as far as coming down to those little decisions, and it also just allowed some time for my husband to process it. I mean, this is something that was, we have moms that choose to not carry babies to term when they get this diagnosis. We have families that choose to not do medical treatment because of this diagnosis. So it's a very heavy, lifelong, hard decision. And it it is a hard journey because you don't know what their life expectancy is going to be. It's not normal. They've got to have multiple open heart surgeries. And so all these things are like my everyday language at work. But for Corey, it was not. And it was just so I had to kind of pull the reins back and realize he needs time to to allow the Lord to work in him. It finally all worked out. We um, got certified to foster in three weeks, which, again, like I said earlier, that just doesn't happen. You know, so many times in the medical field, people you work with people that are not believers. And I just saw it unfolding about how it was so clear to me. And I I was like, this is, we are living and breathing the Testament and the plan that God's laying out for us in front of my 
colleagues in front of my coworkers and just half of them, I think thought we were nuts because they all know what lies ahead and that, that we would willingly, they just couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that we were willingly saying yes to that and just how much of a change that would be for our family. He's five years old today. He is five years old today. Yes. And what is his health condition today? So he, um, he has had all of his, he's had three open heart surgeries. So corrective it's, he is as fixed as he can be for what we know we can do. He's at some point, you know, the next thing for him would be if he needs a heart transplant or, you know, there could be some procedures that they could help, you know, if he's having issues with the heart that he has, but ultimately people living with this condition are in their thirties, some maybe early forties. We don't really know what the life expectancy is going to be, but he's always done really well from that standpoint. And so we're hopeful if you met him, you would never know anything's wrong. And it's, it's so hard for friends and family to grasp, you know, what the reality is. And there's a lot of times that we forget as well. And times that he, if he got RSV, he had to be admitted to the hospital. And those are just the sobering moments of he's not normal, even though to us, he's normal. And it's just, we don't think twice about it. It's just, that's read. And those are normal things that we're walking through. So when you brought him home, he was what, a month or two? How old was he? He was two months old. Yeah. He was just shy of three months, but he came home, tons of equipment, tons of monitors, a feeding tube. I remember getting home and just the same as any mom would feel when you bring your baby home for the first time, but yet there was all this other stuff. Right. And we looked at him and we're like, what, so what do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> what do we, you know, but I just, so much of what I'm so thankful that what we had walked through in our years leading up to read really just all of those walking through the valleys and the seasons of suffering were just preparing us to have joy in this situation. I can remember being pregnant with Emma and Will and just, I was scared to death all the time of something happening, what's going to go wrong. And I didn't enjoy it. And the enemy really robbed me of those seasons mm-hmm. of having joy during those times. And here I am a complete 180 of now I have a child that could die at any moment. And yet it's not even a second thought. And that is the Lord. And that was just his faithfulness to meet our every need in those moments. Um, Beautiful. As we were walking the day to day with Reed. So you have such a young, you're, you're young, young mom and young professional, and you've had quite a life, you know, with, with your cancer diagnosis and then fighting for your son to bring him home and just all of the medical care and um, the diagnosis that's just a tough one, you know, and how do you do it? So I, Chrissy told me, she goes, you've got to talk to Holly. You've got to meet Holly because her motto is Jesus. It's all for you. Jesus, it's all for you. And I love that. And I think that that is just an incredible outlook on life. Did you get there or have you always been Jesus? It's all for you. (laughs) No, no. I I can remember in the days and weeks after my cancer diagnosis of literally, I mean, I couldn't eat for weeks. I couldn't, you know, having to take medications just to function. I was, the anxiety was so suffocating that I didn't believe that it was, you know, that Jesus, 
it's all for you and why and so much of the questioning and the but why you know yeah and so that all of that really prepared you know walked me through um I shared with Christy I mean it truly my greatest fear was having getting cancer being in the medical field and seeing all that I've seen that was always my biggest fear was cancer because cancer meant death and so in most cases and so when that happened I just it's like this can't be happening I mean this is this is not happening to me. And so it just was a, honestly, I mean, it was, it, the Lord took that season of my greatest fear and walked me through it unwillingly, but teaching me to willingly surrender to him. And that no matter what, even if he is still good. And so even if I have cancer and even if I die, he's still good. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's hard to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that I, and whether or not I still a hundred percent believe that. I mean, we're all about sanctification in the process, you know, but I mean, it's, that's still a hard thing to say, especially when you have young kids and you're looking at, you know, I mean, it's just so hard, but now I know that, and I can teach that to families. You know, I remember the first family I counseled when I came back after being home with Reed for a short while and a mom, she was in her third trimester and just, she's sobbing. And I sat there and cried with her. And I said, you know, all these years I have been able to say, I can answer any question. I can do help you with anything, but I can't tell you what it feels like. And now I can, like I have sent my child to the operating room, not knowing if he would come back through those doors alive. I have fully, I can remember a mom telling me years ago when her son was so sick, just saying, he is my Isaac. I mean, I am laying, literally mm-hmm. laying him on the altar for Jesus to use. I mean, for, you know, for God to use. And that is just how we have always approached Reed. Is it easy? Absolutely not. I mean, it's, you know, we're not always this happy and optimistic and, you know, talking. I mean, there's definitely been moments that bring us to our knees, but the Lord is always in every single one of those moments. And I just, in that cancer diagnosis, that's when I finally came to the point that I was able to say, Jesus, this is all for you. I, I This is happening for a reason. And I'm going to share my story. And I don't know how this is going to turn out. But if one person comes to know you or if people can see you in me, then it's all going to be worth it, no matter what. And just being able to say that and walk that out was hard and learning. and But it's worth it. And it's a hard lesson to learn. But yes, so that's just kind of... That is what we do. And we want everything we do, whether it be with Reed or our healthy children or whoever it is, that just to be selling clothes. I mean, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's just like you want that is I truly want Jesus to be made known and people to understand that life is hard. It's we it's instead of what if it's even if even if this happens, he's still good. And you're going to be able to get through this, even if it means something that you don't an outcome you don't want. What did your children think, your biological children, when you told them this is what we're doing? Yeah, so Emma was Emma was 10 and Will was four and a half. So Emma was a little older and could understand. I mean, Will, you know, they, they both had had that exposure to, you know, cousins and foster cousins. And that's another thing I worried about that. You know, the, my, some of my biggest fears was how would our kids react? And then how would we... Would we love him like we love them? I mean, I think that's a very 
natural question that anybody, and you almost feel guilty saying that out loud, but I think that that's so normal. People need to know that's a normal fear of, will I love them like I love my biological children? The answer is absolutely. I mean, it just, we never knew he was missing, but once he was here, we knew that I can't, we can't imagine him not being here. And, you know, Emma and Will, I think that they saw a lot of how we were living it out and just you know, the normalcy we were trying to provide for them and reassuring them. And they didn't see the fear in us. And so I think that helped, but they, they did amazing. And I think that was part of the blessing that made it easier in the transition for our family. And I, I think as they get older and they realize what you guys did, that it is just going to blow their minds that our parents love Jesus that much. Uh, to bring this child into our family. And that's my brother. Yeah. That's very, very unselfish and all the things you can say. It's just mind blowing. I mean, it's like I said at the start, it's a story that has just stuck with me. Like what a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And then you think about the healthcare workers that are out there. And I mean, what a blessing you are to all those families that you get to counsel and that your coworkers saw you walk this journey and they know God is real and he is Reed is alive because of God and his hand is his hand is on his life that he put yes. the two of you together so he's going to do something very special. I believe it yes. with all my heart. He he is going to be somebody special. We all are. But the Lord yes. has a special assignment for him because he saved him and um gave him to you which the whole thing just blows my mind. So I love Yeah, you know, support. I think so many times that uh, hearing from families, you know, that diagnosis is so devastating. And yeah. to them, that diagnosis is a lot like how I felt about cancer of diagnosis means death. That there, there can't be life in that diagnosis. There's so many limitations. There's so many things that they have to do. But for Reed, if he would not have had that diagnosis, he would have never had life. Like he would not have lived, he would have been, he would have had a totally different set of circumstances. He would have never crossed our path if it wouldn't have been for that. Wow. You know, what the Lord, what the enemy meant for evil, the Lord meant for life. You know, I mean, like that's, it's totally, that is his life lived out. And I love that. And I, I share that all the time with families and, you know, that there's so much hope and a diagnosis of anything to any degree doesn't dictate what the Lord can still do and what Amen. the purpose of it is. Amen. So good. So well, you good. are on the front lines. I mean, that's incredible. And just, <sighs> I, mean, I mean, I just think soldier, just the way you fought through cancer, the way you fought through for your son, you knew he was your son. You knew God had prepared you for this and you fought hard. So many times we just, we, we have it here, but we can't take it to our heart. Right. right. Which is what enables us to fight for something. So such a, such a good word, such an incredible, wow incredible story. It does make you want to say, wow. It does. (laughs) So now you know why I wanted you to meet her, Lisa. Yeah, it's great. She has a story to tell and encouraging for people that are thinking about adoption or if the Lord is, you know, calling you to that. There's just a lot to consider. It's just changing the whole trajectory of a child's life that the Lord definitely has his hands on. Now, I'm going to ask you a question you don't know I'm going to ask. So the last name Tomlin. (laughs) Um, I think you may be related to a famous Christian singer with the last name of Tomlin. Is this true? Yes. 
Okay. So her brother-in-law is Chris Tomlin. So what is your favorite Chris Tomlin song? 100% Good, Good Father. I oh my say, gosh, I love it. Yes, yes. I love I lo- I've just always loved that. That song actually came out. Um, I remember I had finished chemo and my girlfriends and I went down to Texas A&M. He was in concert and that had song had just came out. And that song was always so special to me. But Reed, we have always played music for him. Music is, I actually, I've been on a worship team in church and, and I, I, like music is so important to who I am and to how I worship. But so I've always sung to him or played music for him. And that is the song that he always wants to go to. So for years now, that is the song he listens to every night whenever we're laying down to go to bed. And so it's a very sweet song. That is your so, theme song. That is every family song. has a needs a mission statement and a theme, and that is yours. And I yes. love it. Well, he yes. is a good, good father, and he has been good to you. And he is good to me and he's good to Lisa. And he's also good to our listeners. No matter what you're walking through, he is good. Amen. So thank you for your story. Thank you for sharing. Yes. And I pray that God just blesses you beyond for what you have sacrificed and what you've done. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. We are thrilled that you've spent this time with us. Just want to say thank you. We also want to make sure you're aware that we have another podcast called Raising Sinners. It's on the Christian Parenting Network, and we would love for you to join us there, too. If you've got kiddos or know someone who does, check us out at Raising Sinners, the podcast for parents. And lastly, Chrissy and I also want to just thank those of you who have been so generous to support our podcast ministry. If you're interested in doing that, we would love for you to go to ChrissyDunham.org org and click on the party table. You can make any size donation and all of those proceeds go to help us with our podcast ministry. So if you've done that before, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you'd like to check it out, please do. So God bless you. And thanks again for listening to this episode of the wonder podcast.